Let us begin this talk with a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The purpose of this talk is to go over some points of the way that the St. Maria Institute has realized are the top four points of the way in social media right now. As you know, we are celebrating the 80th anniversary of the publishing of The Way, which is a by now a spiritual classic by St. Josemaria. He wrote it in 1939. It's a book that contains uh, points of reflection, points of wisdom. And out of the 999 points that it contains right now, for some reason or other, there are four very popular points, and the purpose of this talk is to explore what those are and also to theorize as to why, and maybe we can draw some good out of that. So the, the four points, I'm going to read the first three and then leave the last one to the end. The first point is a very popular one, a very, very famous one. Uh, from the chapter on character, it is called, or it's, it, it reads like this. Don't say, that's the way I am. It's my character. It's your lack of character. Esto vir, be a man. That's point number four of the way. The second point is from the chapter on mortification. Conquer yourself each day from the very first moment, getting up on the dot at a fixed time without yielding a single minute to laziness. Okay, very interesting. That is the point on basically the heroic minute, and it is point 191. And then the third point is from the chapter on little things, which goes like this. Great holiness consists in carrying out the little duties of each moment. Very simple. Um, and there it is, it's point 817. And we'll leave the fourth one for last. So let's discuss these uh, three points. Uh, what strikes me in these three points is that they are very practical points. They certainly have, and it's, it's kind of a, a big exhortation, these three points, to do to do things that will help us to be holy. Now, um, I don't know why people love these points, but maybe it is because they are not good at these points and they want to hear these points. You know, maybe they're too, not not very practical, but very theoretical and um, and very formal and they need to get down to to business. They need to get down to, okay, what should I do? to inherit eternal life kind of thing. Like the rich young man asked Jesus, okay, what do I, I need to do in order to be holy? Okay, well, um, you know, don't say that, don't make excuses, don't say that's my character, it's your lack of character. Okay, I gotta toughen up here. Uh, mortification, I gotta conquer myself each day, I gotta get up on time every day, you know, because I'm lazy sometimes and, 
and I give in to uh, turning over, turning the uh, the snooze button on, and and uh, sleeping in, or because I I don't take care of little things, my room's a mess, my office a mess, and I you know I need to do all that. And if I were to do all that, well, I would be closer to you know to heaven. I would be a little bit holier, you know. Um, well, that could be true. That could be true. It is, um, you know, you might say that certain people may like these points because they are in the clouds, you know, and, and they need to get down to, to being practical. Well, uh, if that is the case, what we have to realize is that holiness is not really about being practical. Uh, Blessed Alvaro, the successor to Santa Maria, said, in the church of Christ, the only real practical people, he says, are not people who theorize about things, you know, nor people who are, who do things, who, you know, like these things, who mortify themselves and do all sorts of things and checklists and, and, um, no, the real practical people are the mystics, the mystics, the people who pray, the people who contemplate. And so, if you are, or someone you know, is a, a very um, uh, practical person or a very theoretical person, uh, you know, it's, it's, holiness is, is really something that, that has to do more with prayer and what God does in us rather than what we can possibly do or what we can possibly theorize. You know, saints are saints not because of their writings. I mean, some maybe because they 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 wrote a lot and and it helped the church a lot and 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 yes, that was all good. But it's really their lives and the holiness that they led in in charity, in 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 prayer, in what God did through them. But it's not about their theories, and it's not about simply what they considered themselves to be doing really if they did anything at all if we would ask any saint i think they would answer god has done that in me not not me not me i mean we could ask mother teresa we can ask saint john paul the great we can ask um you know saint augustine especially i would say that he realized that it's 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 not about what what he does what what he himself does what i do but what god does St. Augustine fought a heresy called Pelagianism, which is really about, um, well, this heretic Pelagius, who was a monk, who was very rigorous with himself, very, you know, very mortified, and he did so many things for, you know, spiritual things, and and he pr probably got up on time, he was probably perfect, you know, uh, in living the heroic minute and living little things, and and he had a very strong character. But you know what? He's a heretic. Why? Because he thought that those things, that it was those things that he did, were the things that would bring him to heaven. And that's not the way it is. And that's why St. Augustine actually popularized baptism of children, because children have done nothing to merit grace. And when they're baptized, it's God who does everything in little children. you know. And if they die... As children who are baptized, they go straight to heaven. Why? To show that holiness is a gift. Holiness is a gift. It's not something we do. It's something that 
that is given to us. Now, of course, you might say, well, yes, but we got to do something. Yes, that's true. But the way St. Maria saw his effort is in the following way. He had an analogy. And this is, I think, the way we should interpret all these points on character or mortification or all these exhortations to do, you know, things. Is He says, I am like a little child at the bottom of a, of, of, uh, a staircase. And I go up one step, and because the step is so big and I'm so small, I slide back down. And then I try again. And then I, sli- I slide down again. And then I go up and I slide down and, and, and on and on and on. But then his father God, who sees him, kind of chuckles, looks at the effort of this little boy and says, you know what? I am moved to compassion because he's trying so hard. But he can't. He can't possibly get to the top of the stairs, let alone just one step. So what I'm going to do, because I'm moved by his effort and his perseverance, is I'm going to take him to the top of the stairs, just like that. Boom. And then the little boy finds himself at the top of the stairs. And you might say, well, the the, the boy get to the top of the stairs through his effort? Well, this is a trick question. Obviously, had he not done anything, he would not have gotten to the top of the stairs, right? So, in a certain sense, yes. But in another sense, no, because his efforts are not proportional to the result. His efforts are nothing. They would have not. They would not have gotten him to the top of the stairs by him, you know, by themselves. What happened was that God had compassion and free will to take this child to the top of the stairs. So it's a gift. But and, and so here's the way we should frame our ascetical struggle. Our ascetical struggle should be framed first and foremost as a prayer to God. As a prayer to God. And then God, if he wants to, when he wants to, however he wants to, he will give us what we are asking for. And if we do not receive what we are asking for, maybe he wants to give us something else or he wants to give us something bigger or he wants us to actually expand our capacity to receive the gifts that he wants us to receive. And that's why he wants us to exercise ourselves. And that's what ascetical means in Greek. It means exercise, to exercise, to build the muscle, right? To to expand our desires. And, and so that's, the, I think, the, the framework in which we should see our, our efforts. They are nothing, and yet, without them, um, maybe, maybe we wouldn't receive the graces that we would receive from God, because we, God wouldn't be moved to, to pity or to compassion for us. And, and, you know, we're obviously human, we're limited, but the, the smaller we see ourselves, the more the more helpless we see ourselves, the more our Lord, I think, will have mercy on us. And the more he will have to put everything, because we have nothing. But if we're grown up, I mean, we could be grown up, obviously, uh, as the gospel says, you know, as, as our Lord says, be wise as 
serpents and simple as doves. Well, we have to be, we have to have the wisdom of the of the elderly, right? But the simplicity of children, and and yes, we can be grown up. But if we're grown up in the wrong sense, meaning, you know, think of a teenager who fundamentally asks, "Well, what can I do for myself? You know, what can I do by myself for myself? I want to be independent." You know? Well, I think. This fallacy of independence is is something that pervades our societies. We want to do everything by ourselves for ourselves. Self service culture. Well, that's not that's not the way it is in the spiritual life. In the spiritual life, we are all dependent. Actually, even in the physical life, we're all dependent. Right? We are born into a family. We we, we can't we don't just spontaneously you know appear by ourselves in a vacuum. So we live in a community in a society in a church in a family and so on so um we we can't be grown up in that way you know where we just want to do things by ourselves and everything is the result of our effort that would be what we call what philosophy calls voluntarism voluntarism it's a big word um it means that it really means where there's a will, there's a way, and if I have a if I have a strong enough will, then I will get my way. Well, that's not that's not the way the spiritual life works, you know. And that could be a defect. That could be a defect in in our will. It's too strong, and we don't rely at all on grace. And what we need to do is rely more on grace. So um, that is that is my commentary on. These points of the way. I mean, I hope that if people like these points, is because um, one, they're struggling to improve in these things. It's not bad to grow in these virtues, okay? But that that we all see that whatever we do in the spiritual life, ultimately, what we need to do is ask our Lord for the graces to improve and to be holier. All right. So ultimately, this reminds me of of a of a character in the gospel that Jesus encounters, and that is Martha. Martha is a woman who uses her intellect a lot, and that's why they Jesus has a conversation with her when Lazarus dies about the resurrection. You know, it's almost it's almost very theoretical. Do you believe in the resurrection? I believe that he will resurrect in the last day, Lord. Okay, great, great. There's no tears involved. It's very it's very heady, you know, very intellectual. And and our Lord says, Okay, great, you know. But of course when he goes to Mary, Mary Mary is just Mary kind of has this other relationship with our Lord, which is more intuitive um, more maybe sentimental, um, emotional. There's an emotional connection, and our Lord even cries. Our Lord even cries. You know. Now, of course, the emotions have to also be in their place, but but still, they have a, a role. They're human. They make us hu- very human, and we need emotions. Um, but you know, Martha may have been too theoretical. May have been too um, distant. I don't know. This is probably an interpretation. But also Martha, we see her in another scene of the gospel where she's serving our Lord. She invites our Lord 
and she is uh, kind of having a hard time serving because she gets jealous that Mary's doing nothing. She's just listening to our Lord, and she's not helping out. Um, and Martha complains, and she says to our Lord, tell my sister to come and help me. And our Lord corrects her and says, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the better part, and it shall not be taken away from her. And only one thing is needful, one thing is necessary, and that's what she has chosen. And she has chosen to contemplate and to and to pray and to listen to our Lord. And that is what what makes Mary very holy, right? Because she she does not give into activism, and she does not want to resolve everything with her reason. She is a woman of faith, and not that they're incompatible, faith and reason work together, but there's a primacy of faith over reason, and there is a primacy of contemplation over activism. And they just have to be in the right relation, in the right balance. Right? Now, Martha was corrected by her Lord, and she is Saint Martha. She became a saint. She's a really holy person. Why? Because she learned from all these lessons that our Lord taught her. She's a woman of faith, but she could have increased her faith, and she did. And how do we know that? Because, well, because we venerate her as a saint, and and therefore she must have gotten to contemplate our Lord and contemplate his words like Mary did, which is the reason why I want to um, save this point for last, the fourth point of the way that is very popular. And I'm glad it is very popular with the other three because the fourth point that is, you know, the top four is from the chapter on perseverance. And it says the following, to begin is for everyone, to persevere is for saints. May your perseverance not be a blind consequence of the first impulse, the effect of inertia. May it be a reflective perseverance, point 983 of the way. Now, why is this point so important? Because it is the point that Martha discovered, probably. I mean, in essence, she didn't read the way, obviously. Um, but she was a woman of character, of mortification, of you know, being in the little things, right? Like we read in the first three points. But she discovered that she had to be a woman of perseverance, but not of perseverance because of her own will. Her own stubborn will, we could say. Her own voluntarism. Her own effort. Her own whatever. It's because she had a reflective perseverance. This word reflective, I think, is the most important word in this point than maybe in the, in the collection of all four points here that we're discussing today. Because it gives room for the Holy Spirit to come in through our contemplation. This is the key to our holiness. And that's exactly, I'm very happy actually to hear that this point made it into the top four. Um, because, well, it's a sign that people are taking the other three points, hopefully, in the right measure, in the right relation with contemplation. That it's not just purely about activism. 
Saint Jose Maria, after a retreat, I believe it was in nineteen in the early nineteen thirties, he wrote, "Today I have resolved to become a saint. I know that I will get there." <laughs> and you might say, "Wow, that's a pretty tough resolution, you know? I will be a saint." That's um, that's what you know. Traditionally, people say after a retreat, you shouldn't. That should not be your resolution. It should not be like, "Oh yeah, I want to be a saint," because you're never going to do it. You know, actually, Saint Jose Maria did do it, but it was through many little resolutions, and 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 of course the gift of God. But you know, this this point, this resolution to be a saint, may sound too cavalier. It may sound too um, too much too much like Pelagius, right? I'm going to do it where there's a will, there's a way. I'm going to get there, and I'm going to you know just stand back and I'm going to get there. Well, you know what? It would sound like that if he had not written the second part. The second part reads like this. Not because I am sure of me, Jesus, but because I am sure of you. Now that is, that puts that point in balance. It balances the idea of my efforts and God's grace. It puts God's grace in first place and my efforts in second place. And it's not like, God's grace is 99% and my efforts are 1%. It's not that way. And it's not 50-50, we could say. It's not that way either. How is it? How should we look at it? I like to look at it as 100-100. But the 100 of God is in another orbit, is in another level, a more important level. And it's also my 100. I need to give my 100. But they're two different types of 100, you know. So this is the way that we should look at our ascetical struggle. And the way has many points on ascetical struggle, and that's good, but they should always be looked upon as that little child going up the stairs. Or like this fourth point, you know, look for those uh, reflective points as well of the way when you read the way so that we can balance our, our efforts with the grace of God, the primacy of grace, has to be at the forefront of our holiness. And then, and that comes through contemplation and prayer and, and, and what Mary did. And then our efforts. And yes, we have to do our efforts because yes, we can't be lazy. Yes, we can't just forego little things. Yes, we can't just, you know, have a mushy character or something like that. All right. So all those things are good, but in their place. Well, uh, I would say let us turn to Mary. Mary is a woman. Mary, the mother of Jesus, our mother. She is a woman of action. She takes action, and she's very determined. Look, look at her, look at her run at uh, after the Annunciation, after the Incarnation, after she conceives of our Lord. She runs. She's a, a woman that knows what she wants. And then also look at her at the. At the wedding of Cana, she knows what she wants. She commands our Lord, you know, this or commands the servants, do whatever he tells you because he's going to do it, period. You know? So you don't mess with her. She's a woman of character. She's a woman that lives the heroic minute to go visit her cousin Elizabeth running, you know, and she takes care of little things. She notices wine. I mean, wine is, yes, it's good. It's important for a party, but let's face it, it's not the most important thing in the history of salvation. Although, you know, it's a little thing that shows great love. So it is important. You know, so she lives all that. But she also contemplates. She's also, St. Luke tells us several times, 
always ruminating, treasuring, contemplating, praying over the words of Jesus. And that's and the events of his life. And that's exactly what we need to do in order to also persevere at the foot of the cross and be able to see the resurrection and anticipate the resurrection when we are suffering. So that we realize this is not the end all and be all of all existence. What my senses tell me, it's beyond that. And that's exactly why we want to turn to Mary when the going gets tough, when the struggle, you know, when the alarm clock rings, you know, well, okay, let's turn to Mary and get up. And at the same time, give thanks to God that we have been able to have another day in order to serve. Well, let us end this talk with uh, another Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.